This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health, whose mission is to help faith communities and their leaders thrive. Healthy congregations can transform their communities to be more compassionate, faithful, and just. Utilizing a network of highly skilled coaches, consultants, and intentional interim ministers, the Center supports congregations and ministry leaders to address the challenges they face. Visit their website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about how the Center can be your trusted partner in ministry. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. This is the CBF Podcast Conversations. Each week, we are bringing you stories from across the world of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and creativity from practitioners, ministers, thinkers, authors, and more. I'm Andy Hale, your podcast host. We're excited about another year of delivering interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. This platform is not designed for you to listen on an island unto yourself. Share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Tucker, Georgia, Warsaw, Poland, San Francisco, California, and Sydney, Australia. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversations. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our three annual sponsors, the Center for Congregational Health, McAfee's School of Theology Doctorate and Ministry Program, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. And now, on to our conversation. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Jody Porter. She's the consultant for Forum for Theological Exploration and the coordinator of the Youth Theology Network. Jody, thank you for joining the conversation. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Andy. I guess I should introduce you as the uh, soon-to-be Dr. Porter, since you are pursuing a, a doctorate at Vanderbilt University. Well, you are, are welcome to do that. I am certainly only about halfway there. But yes, I'm working on a degree in leadership and learning in organizations, which I hope will continue to support, to, to, continue to support this kind of good work that these programs are doing. It's a fascinating program, as we were talking about kind of the pre-record, I'm in a leadership doctoral program as well. So I'd love to learn more about kind of what you're pursuing, what you're studying right now. Sure. I appreciate that question. So um, the work that I get to do for the Youth Theology Network involves resourcing 
um, the leaders of these high school youth theology programs. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, um, but a significant part of uh, doing this sort of work well involves walking alongside not only people, but also the institutions and the organizations in the midst of the work that they're doing. And so this particular degree, um, it's called an EDD in Leadership and Learning in Organizations. Uh, and it's meant for those who are working in whatever capacity they're already working, you continue working professionally as you pursue the degree, um, to focus on about three different areas. And a significant one of those is data science, which you can imagine these days why something like data science might be important living through this pandemic. We're talking a lot about data these days, but it's important in, in all um, industries. And so my cohort has folks from, from theological backgrounds like mine, but also from uh, backgrounds in healthcare and in business and, um, and in education, of course. And the idea is to come together to learn in data science, organizational leadership, and also learning sciences, the sorts of skills that we might not have picked up along the way in our own training and studying for, for whatever industry we happen to be in, such as theological education as I am. Um, but the kind of additional skills that we need to think through how to help lead and shape organizations well, how to be a learning community um, in an ongoing way um, that continues to guide our work and ever more faithful sorts of next steps. Um, so it's, a, it's about a three-year program, and as I say, I'm about halfway through, so um, fingers crossed it continues to, <laughs> it continues to go well. That sounds uh, fascinating. Um, so I, I told my uh, two little girls that when I finish this program, I like to kind of mislead them. Um, I told them that they would actually be required by law to call me Dr. Daddy. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to pull the same thing with your kids. Uh, Absolutely, could... because in our family, we, we have a Dr. Daddy. So we'll be the doctor's porter or Dr. Daddy and Dr. Mommy, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, however you might prefer. Absolutely, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, Anyone who's who's come to the Decatur office knows that we share a building with the Forum for Theological Exploration or FTE. Um, but for those that are not familiar, what would you want us to know about FTE? Mm, thank you for that question. Um, FTE is a not-for-profit organization that's been around for more than 60 years, and it has um, been helping support both the church and the academy for um, for that time. Um, it is a uh, uh, we like to consider it a leadership incubator that is helping to cultivate the next generation of leaders for the church. And um, we, we do that in different ways. Um, there are um, ways that we support different sort of ministerial kinds of initiatives, uh, including uh, we do some grant making, for example. We also offer some different um, gatherings each year we have, uh, or, or most years we haven't um, during the pandemic, but this coming year again, we will offer what's called the Christian uh, Leadership Forum, the CLF. Um, and uh, and uh, so between the kind of grant making efforts and um, annual gatherings and things or other events that we offer, um, we're trying to offer resources for um, uh, whether it's churches or colleges and universities, whatever sort of institution you might be at. If you're trying to support the next generation of young leaders for the church, we might have a way that we can support you in that work. So there's um, there's a ministerial side to that. There's also an academic side to that. We have an institutional doctoral network. Um, and uh, and a lot of what we're trying to do uh, on both sides, ministerial and doctoral, is um, to elevate minority voices uh, in, in leadership. And so we work um, across, uh, across the country um, with lots of different partners. We work uh, across ecclesial traditions. 
Um, and, and we really do uh, try to offer the kinds of resources if you go to our website at fteleaders.org um, that any given institution, as I say, that's trying to, to nurture young leaders uh, might find useful uh, for their work in, in doing that. And our primary, um, I should say our target kind of uh, demographic um, are, are two really. Um, we have, we work with uh, young people between the ages of 18 and 30. And then also we work with any people who work with people between the ages of 18 and 30. So um, any sort of, of institutional or other partner um, in that work. And um, I just remembered to a couple, couple of other things I should probably share too, Andy, that um, a lot of what we're focused on is helping uh, young people and their partners think through uh, vocational discernment, think through whether and how they might want to serve the church uh, uh, someday, whether that's in traditional sorts of ministerial roles or other roles. Um, so vocational discernment and leadership development are kind of our two um, major focal points. Well, you know, FTE has some pretty remarkable grants, and I guess I really shouldn't uh, promote these because that means there's a larger pool, you know, to compete against when I write for another one. But I've, I've been the beneficiary of several of these grants <laughs> with uh, three separate organizations, uh, wrote grant proposals for mentoring young adults and pastoral internships. Um, what can you tell us about the vision behind being a granting organization with uh, some pretty specific focuses? Um, that is a, a question probably better put to our president, um, Stephen Lewis, or um, a couple of my colleagues, Patrick Reyes and Heather Wallace. We, um, we have uh, um, right now in kind of our current way of doing work, um, uh, we have a, a group of us who are focused on learning design is what we call it. And, um, and that is the, the group of, of FTE staff who are focused on grant making and also on um, noticing what it is we're learning in the work that we do so that we can gather that learning and share it back out with those who might find it most useful. Um, and, uh, and, and I guess when it comes to grant making, the, the thing that, that I would say, um, my, my experience of walking alongside um, uh, those colleagues and some of that work has been that, that we're trying to offer maybe it's a smaller amount or a larger amount, but, uh, but opportunities for churches or other institutions to say, I, I want to dream a little bit differently. Maybe I want to think about um, offering pastoral internships in, in my congregation, or maybe I want to think about doing some mentoring. And I, I haven't had the space, I haven't had the funding maybe to try to do that. Um, and so, um, so we offer at least once and sometimes twice a year these different grants that you see on our website um, for, for churches and partners to, to think bigger, think differently, think of ways they might want to innovate um, in, in these times where really um, what we talk about a lot at FTE is that um, theological education is changing, even maybe faster or needs to change, maybe even faster than um, than what we see uh, the demographics of this country changing because by 2040, if not sooner, we will be a minority majority, um, or I should say, flip that around, Andy. Um, by 2040, uh, we will be a, a majority minority um, uh, country. And, uh, and even now, there are really fascinating ways um, that, that uh, all sorts of, of uh, churches and other institutions um, are doing theological education. And so, so it's, that, that's all to say that um, uh, in any given moment, it's our task uh, as, as the church and those who serve the church to figure out how to do leadership well and how to support those who are gonna be leaders. Um, and, and that requires changing sometimes. It requires taking 
what's, um, what's the best from our traditional ways of doing things and pulling it forward um, into some, some new innovative uh, uh, sorts of, of, of practices, ideas, processes. And so the grants are, are opportunities to do that. Um, if you're noticing something that your church needs or you want to try something, something new, uh, for example, then that's a place that you can go maybe to pique your imagination, first of all, um, just to see what, what different categories those grants are. Um, but then also to try to apply for, for the funding to support that dreaming. As you, as I said in the opener, um, your coordinator for the Youth Theology Network. Um, tell us what this is yeah. and how it was started. Yeah. Well, that one I could talk about for at least three or four of your podcasts, Andy, I think probably. <laughs> um, that is where I spend most of my, most of my time and energy um, when I'm consulting with FTE. Um, the Youth Theology Network is a group of more than 100 programs across the country, and um, a significant number of those were funded as recently as 2016. Uh, they are located at colleges and universities in at least 40 states, and they represent at least 15 different ecclesial traditions, including mainline Protestant, evangelical Protestant, um, Orthodox, Catholic, historically Black uh, institutions, and peace traditions. Um, and uh, what, what these programs are, the, um, first of all, I should, I should take a quick step back and say that um, Lilly Endowment Inc. Uh, granted um, larger size grants uh, to each of these colleges and universities to offer a program for high schoolers on their campuses. And uh, what FTE does is partner with the Lilly Endowment to resource uh, the leaders of those programs. We offer basically professional development um, for the folks who are putting those programs together. And my task then is to coordinate um, those efforts at uh, professional development or resourcing uh, for the program leaders. And so um, uh, what's especially exciting about the Youth Theology Network in, in my uh, perspective is that um, each of these programs are an opportunity for a church, say, to, uh, to partner with um, by sending youth to the program or maybe learning some uh, things from the program or sharing things that they know with the program you think about um, in my own faith journey, for example, there's that um, really important juncture of transitioning from high school to college. And um, all of us parents have the question, you know, how, how are we going to help our children take, our, take their faith to college? Um, how are we going to help faith continue to matter once uh, children leave our homes and our churches and go off on their own uh, into colleges and, and universities and whatever their next steps for work might be? Um, so these programs are, first of all, an opportunity for youth to come to campus and uh, to experience a, a week, um, at least, uh, typically in the summer, um, uh, on that campus, diving in deeply into faith traditions um, and reflecting on, on how and why those faith traditions matter. Do they matter for contemporary moral and ethical issues? Do they matter um, for the vocational choices uh, any given student might make for the work they want to do, for what they want to be when they grow up? Um, and uh, so, so these programs are, um, sometimes they're, they're focused uh, on, say, a week or two in the summer. Sometimes they offer some additional opportunities year-round, like mentoring or service projects at home. But they are an opportunity for youth to start figuring out how to take their faith to college. And whether or not, some do, whether or not they um, actually matriculate into that college for their college education, they've at least started to see what it looks like. They've seen some concrete examples of what it can look like to be serious about faith and to take it farther um, than just their senior year of high school. Um, and so, uh, 
So these, these programs uh, tend to offer, um, they might offer, for example, academic lectures, there might be service projects, um, there might be um, art and other sorts of engagements with faith, and then of course, worship, et cetera. Um, and uh, and uh, anyone who uh, wants to try to find a program close to them could come to our new uh, public website, which is youththeologynetwork.org. Um, and I'd like to just add, uh, since we're on the CBS podcast, uh, that we have several of those programs that are at Baptist institutions you may have heard of. So for example, at Campbell University is the Campbell Youth Theological Institute. And at Baylor University is the Faith and Sport Institute. Um, we also have programs at Georgetown College and Wayland Baptist University, the University of Mount Olive and Ottawa University. And that's just a sampling uh, among, a, as, I, um, as I may have mentioned, we have more than a hundred of these programs across the country. So, um, so some of the programs focus on a particular kind of ecclesial tradition. Some of them engage uh, more um, uh, non-denominationally or interdenominationally with ecclesial traditions. And then you'll notice that some may emphasize a specific theme. So the Baylor for example, emphasizes sports. Others might emphasize um, music and worship or social justice and racial reconciliation or creation care, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, so anyway, I'll stop there for just a minute, but it's, it's exciting, it's exciting. I think everyone who um, is uh, um, serving at a church or anyone who knows a high school, um, uh, high school person who might be interested in attending one of these programs should certainly check it out. Well, this has no bearing on what I'm about to say as I stare at uh, two diplomas on my office wall from Campbell University, but I heard the one at Campbell is by far the most remarkable program y'all have partnered with, but um, maybe I'm a little biased when it comes to that and a friend who helps. I'm sure you're program, not. So. So I'm I, sure you're not at all. <laughs> you know, I um, I know that y'all focus uh, on vocational discernment, leadership, you know, for resourcing for high school students. And I would have loved for y'all to have been around when I was 14 years old receiving, you know, my call to ministry. I remember the experience like it was yesterday. I, you know, we were at a summer camp. I came home. I told my pastor about it. And his response was, okay, well, you can lead Bible study this next Wednesday. And then I, I lucked up in being in a church that, understood I had a calling and presented me with, you know, uh, numerous opportunities to explore ministry, whether that was music ministry, youth ministry, pastoral ministry, pastoral care ministry. Um, you know, so you have these camps that are offered in the summertime. What are, what are the other ways that you're helping um, discerning high school students? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I want to expand a little bit more um, on the ways that the Youth Theology Network programs do that. Um, there's, uh, of course, the uh, oftentimes the week or two weeks that uh, a student might spend on campus. Um, that's an important part of, of that experience. Um, but, but a significant way that these programs are successful or that they will be successful is if they are working in partnership with local churches um, or local, um, if they have local denominational kinds of connections. Because what happens is just like for you, um, you know, students come to this experience, uh, they dive in deeply uh, to their faith tradition, they might even get excited about going into ministry as a result of their experiences there, but then they come home and they've got to figure out what to do next. And some of our programs, for example, have, um, have um, been thinking not only how to program that uh, particular um, 
particular experience for their youth, but they've been thinking especially how to work together with pastors, with youth pastors, um, to uh, on, on both sides of the experience, to welcome youth into the program, to learn who are the youth that might be interested to participate, to recruit them, to support them, to apply and to come, but then also to send them back home. Oftentimes, it might be with a, a mentor in the home church, for example, where a program has said, um, we're, we're asking you to, to continue to walk alongside your young person and maybe help them uh, with some ongoing mentoring for the next few months after this experience to figure out what to do with it, or maybe help them um, put together a service project in their context that represents something that they explored, something that was important to them out of this experience that they wanna kind of keep working on um, as they continue to grow. Um, this Youth Theology Network is the primary initiative that STE resources uh, related to high school youth, um, but there's another uh, really important aspect of it, which is that each of these programs have peer mentors as part of the experience. So if uh, a young person, a high schooler, is, is on campus um, engaging in these, these lectures and, and art and service and, and uh, worship, et cetera, it's most helpful, um, uh, we've discovered, if they are doing that in conjunction with some college-aged mentors. So, uh, so these colleges and universities are recruiting from, from their own student population or from other colleges and universities as well, um, slightly, slightly older peers uh, for these high school students to walk um, uh, with them through this experience. And, uh, and oftentimes in involving college age mentors in this work, um, colleges and universities notice we found some more young people, they may not have participated, um, in, they, like you and me, Andy, they may not have had an opportunity to experience a high school youth theology program, but, but they're getting ignited now. And they realize now that this sort of work they enjoy, they might want to uh, serve as a minister, uh, uh, go to seminary uh, and serve as a minister, or they might want to uh, um, pursue uh, the academy, become a professor of, of religion or theology. Um, and, and that is definitely the demographic that FTE resources in some additional ways as well. Um, we have a, uh, an event uh, that most recently we've called Discern, um, which is an opportunity, kind of a, a weekend opportunity for, uh, for young people aged eight, 18 to 30 to, uh, to think through a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this faith stuff. I'm interested in this ministry stuff, but I'm not really sure who to connect with or what to do next. Um, and uh, again, especially minority voices, but not exclusively minority voices. And we'll come together and um, have kind of a, a retreat to process some of those sorts of, of things together. Um, and then in, in addition to discern um, at the Christian Leadership Forum, that is a place for both uh, young adults and also, uh, again, aged 18 to 30, and also um, their partners who, who are walking alongside them. So pastors, uh, youth ministers, um, professors, et cetera, who are trying to do the sort of work that, that mentors young people. So, so what's, what's really um, uh, engaging, I think, for, for all of us um, at FTE with the Youth Theology Network is that um, we, we sort of get to um, uh, connect with programs who are connecting with the youth, and then through that connection, uh, learn um, what are some good ways to serve youth and young adults and also welcome some of their young adults, their college mentors, for example, um, or the program leaders into the other sorts of initiatives that, that FTE offers. 
Baptist Seminary of Kentucky offers multiple ways to pursue theological education, helping you learn and grow in your area of ministry. Not only the Master of Divinity degree, but our Pastoral Care Certificate, Rural Ministry Certificate, and Flourish Workshops for lay leaders are offered virtually so that you can study where you are. BSK alumni are serving in many different capacities in and outside the church as ministers, counselors, missionaries, artists, musicians, nonprofit leaders, and many other creative career paths benefiting from theological education. As the official seminary of National Baptist Convention of America International, BSK is committed to working for racial justice. All students are required to take Black and Womanist theology as part of a Black church studies thread woven throughout our curriculum. Over 80% of BSK students graduate with little to no additional debt occurred from their seminary experience. Our flexible block schedule approach, the ability to study where you are, and the plentiful scholarship opportunities allow students to focus on training for ministry without the burden of accruing massive debt. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit bsk.edu to learn more about our areas of emphasis or to apply for one of our programs. You know, it's been over 20 years since my high school experience. Um... However, you know, I, I remember the pressure uh, of deciding what's next in life. You know, how are you going to build a college resume? You know, what college are you going to go to? What are you, what's going to be your major? What kind of job do, are you going to have? You know, I look at teenagers today and I think, yep, y'all have it much harder than I did. Um, there's so much pressure on adolescents today. And then you throw in this pandemic experience. Um, but y'all journey mm-hmm. alongside youth right now. So tell us about some of the fruits of your work of journeying alongside youth. Mm, I appreciate that question. By the way, have you figured it out yet, Andy? Have you decided what you'd like to be when you grow up? Have you arrived? No, no, I'm still, (laughs) you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I become a big boy someday. And I just, you know, I can't figure it out. (laughs) Oh, well, I agree. That resonates with me as well. Um, The fruits of our work, Um, uh, we uh, have the blessing of um, learning from each of these uh, 100 plus programs, success stories, um, uh, stories of of joy and hope um, from the work that they have been, uh, that they have been doing with, with youth. Um, And so it's, it's fun to, to learn about those stories. I I have the opportunity to read the reports that they write every year. And that's fun for me to learn from what they're learning, but then also at our annual gatherings, a significant part of what we do together is, is uh, share each other's stories and, and learn from those stories. And um, so, so we, in any given year, um, if you count the youth engaged across all the programs, Um, These programs are serving upwards of 4,000 young people across the country each year, and that's just counting the high schoolers, that's not counting the college mentors, and it's not counting the ways in which it also impacts, because it really does, it also impacts program leaders, um, their own uh, understandings of, of purpose and passion and call. It also impacts the institutions where they're serving. Sometimes I've seen these these programs help reshape uh, help reshape strategic initiatives for uh, for an entire campus, for example, um, and and it impacts their partners as well. Um, they they learn from their denominational partners, or they offer back resources um, that the denominational partners find helpful. Um, and it's it's just really it's energizing to read those stories of of high schoolers who um, who say things like, um, "I finally understand some ways that my my faith makes sense." 
um, and and why it's important. I, I feel like um, I've been able I've been able to dive in more deeply here um, than in any other kind of experience. Um, uh, or because of this program, a high schooler or uh, or a, or a college mentor might say, um, I, I think I'm going to go home and I'm going to do uh, um, I'm going to do um, an important project in my community, uh, or I'm I'm going to think about going to seminary or theological school when I graduate. Um, and then we hear we hear the stories not only from the youth and from the college mentors, but also from the pastors, um, how they can see a difference in their youth when they return home, and from the parents. We've, we've had um, not me personally, not FTE personally, but but the program leaders report that that um, pastors and parents call them and and say thank you. What a wonderful experience my young person has had. They may have gone only because I suggested they go, and they may have even gone reluctantly, but they certainly came home. Um, with a different sort of, of uh, orientation toward their faith, um, and maybe even some different thoughts about uh, the vocational journey going forward. Um, and that's, that's really what, what these programs are meant to provide. They're, they're meant to provide a space that helps young people and all of us who love them uh, figure out how to go from high school to college in ways that involve their faith. And they may not want to be a minister when they grow up, or they may want to be a minister when they grow up. But in my perspective, the most important thing that can happen there is they, they start to shape faith. They start to adopt faith in ways that are their own, that will continue to serve them through whatever leadership roles, um, ministry or otherwise, they might pursue uh, as they grow up. It's sort of a, um, I like the phrase theological literacy. That's a little um, <laughs> nerdy part of me, maybe, but, but it, it really is that. It really is inviting them to be literate to be thoughtful um, about their faith tradition and take it out into their life in the same sort of way they develop other skills and other banks of knowledge um, for, um, uh, for growing up and doing some sort of good in the world. So I grew up Southern Baptist, discovering cooperative Baptist in college. Uh, let's say I'm a high school student steeped in the tradition uh, of the Shakers. Uh, will you work with me? What denominations and faith traditions do you do you work alongside? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so we do have programs in the peace tradition. Um, and uh, um, I would say when we counted them up most recently, we had programs in at least 15 different ecclesial traditions. And that included um, uh, a, very, a variety of uh, mainline Protestant denominations. Uh, um, it included uh, a variety of evangelical Protestant uh, denominations. Um, it also included uh, historically black uh, institutions and traditions. Um, and then in addition to peace, there's also an Orthodox program and several Catholic programs. About a third of our, our programs uh, serve Catholic institutions. So uh, this pandemic has, has forced innovation within every organization. Um, how has the Youth Theology Network pivoted during this crisis to, to meet youth where they are? Oh, I love that question. Thank you for asking it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, in this pandemic, um, uh, you might imagine that these programs have, have had to make challenging decisions, just as have had the rest of us in, in so many different ways. Um, this time, uh, well, let me put it this way, um, typically in, 
in January is when we have our annual gathering for the program leaders. And shortly after that time is when they start finalizing uh, their program for the year and um, who's going to be attending, including the youth, the mentors, et cetera. Um, but of course, uh, uh, last year in 2020, um, uh, by about the middle of March, everything started to shut down. And so then they suddenly were faced with the question of how can I be a faithful steward of these funds that the Lilly Endowment has given to me? I'm supposed to offer a program this summer and I can't imagine how to offer that any other way than in person. So what, what, am, I, what am I going to do? Um, and it has been fascinating. I had imagined that my work last year in 2020 in supporting these programs would be maybe as many of, of you pastors out there have, have experienced a work of just offering space to grieve, um, offering space to say, we, we can't do what we normally do, and that's going to have to be okay, and we'll come back to it fingers crossed, next year in 2021. But as it turns out, uh, we actually had to have just as much space, if not significantly more, for celebrating the ways in which these programs innovated, pivoted, and, and did different faithful things uh, in this season. So, um, so we had some programs who chose to postpone their work until next year and spend uh, spend the current year, the pandemic year, focused on their sustainability sorts of efforts, developing their relationships with partners and, and that sort of thing. We had programs who figured out how to do their in-person work online uh, and uh, maybe had an abbreviated program, but still were able to offer um, some of the, the similar elements that they typically would have offered. And then we had some programs who said, you know, I am noticing a couple of interesting things about my high schoolers. Um, uh, they they seem they seem maybe to be Zoom fatigued, sure, but they're also they are energized and they they want to do something um, if they can. Now maybe um, all of my youth aren't experiencing these challenges the same, depending on their um, ethnic and racial backgrounds, for example. But but a significant proportion of youth they still wanted to connect in some way, and if they could be supported to do something that mattered in the midst of pandemic including around issues of racial justice or around issues of mental health. Uh, these programs wanted to figure out how to meet their youth um, and those who love those youth, the churches, et cetera, um, uh, where they were in the midst of the pandemic or where they are. We're not, we're not all the way through it yet as I speak here uh, in the, the early month, uh, early days and month of 2021. Um, and so, uh, so some programs, for example, um, uh, one of the oldest Youth Theology Network programs is at Emory University at Candler School of Theology. It's called YTI, Youth Theological Initiative. And they, uh, they said, you know, we want to serve um, a couple different groups in a couple different ways. We want to offer some space for our white students to process white privilege. And so we're going to offer uh, some conversations online around that. And uh, we want to offer some space for our Black students to just have some pastoral care um, and be supported in any ways that they need to amidst um, uh, these, these difficult, heated uh, conversations around race in the country. Um, and uh, and so, so that's, that's an example of saying, well, normally um, we might be doing a very different kind of program. But in this season, number one, we've got to figure out how to be online. And number two, maybe our youth and their partners need something different right now. So how can we offer that instead? Um, and Candler's story is just, just one example of several of, of folks doing something very different um, to meet the needs of, of this time during the pandemic. 
as the coordinator for this great initiative, you know, what's your hope for the Youth Theology Network? Oh, wow. Um, my hope for the Youth Theology Network. Um, I think I have a couple of different kinds of hopes, Andy. I think I think I would say, first of all, my hope is that uh, young people um, and their parents and their churches and their communities learn more about these programs. Um, uh, that they um, come and visit our website at youththeologynetwork.org um, and consider whether there is a program that, um, uh, that, that they might like to attend or that they might like to support someone to attend, um, that they would uh, recognize these kinds of programs as an asset, as a partner in the work that they as churches are, are already doing so faithfully to, to raise up the next generation uh, of, of Christians. But they would recognize them as a partner that helps bridge that gap between high school and college where so often youth, I think, um, might instead choose to leave behind their faith. Um, I think I hope uh, for, um, for churches and for denominations that they, uh, they would recognize these Youth Theology Network programs as resources to them, and also that we need you. Um, we need to learn from what you know about youth or from what's happening in your own context. How can these programs be helpful to you? Um, because it's really only in sort of a mutually beneficial relationship between these programs and their partners, their churches and their denominations, that, that we're going to be able to do good and faithful work in any sort of, of uh, sustained kind of way. So um, so we certainly need um, uh, churches and other institutions to, to um, not only learn about these programs for the sake of sending youth to them and receiving youth back from them, but also to, to be partners with them, to teach them things that they don't already know, and maybe to learn uh, from them things that the churches themselves don't already know. Um, and then I think the last piece I would say is um, uh, one of my favorite questions to, to wonder about is um, how can we help theological education um, as, as a field or as an industry just continue to be better, better and better? And not just for the sake of being good, but for the sake of being ever more faithful. Um, at FTE and all of our events, we tend to end with a question to those who have participated, uh, which is, what do you think now might be your next most faithful steps? And I think this is a a time uh, in America where theological education, uh, sometimes we talk about it with the Lilly Endowment, with FTE as a liminal sort of time. It's a time between times um, where theological education has been one thing, but we need to start thinking about innovating uh, in, in some new ways um, and, and being several different maybe new things. And so I hope that these youth theology programs are just as much as they are serving youth and they are serving and being served by churches and denominations, they might also impact uh, theological education um, and, and be a little bit of an incubator for what is working right now. Um, how can we work well with youth and young people? And, and what does that mean for shaping, um, shaping our own institutions, shaping our colleges and our universities um, and our theological schools uh, in, in ways that are, that are going to be helpful, especially as we um, near the year 2040 and become a, a majority minority country and also already have so many um, uh, thankfully, so many diverse voices in theological education. How can we all um, come together and and do our work, do our work well? Are there some things coming up that you want our audience to be aware of? Uh, let's see. 
I think I would say um, uh, a couple of things, sure. Um, so, uh, um, first of all, uh, these programs do their recruitment of youth right now. So, um, and, and when I say right now, I mean kind of, um, uh, uh, they, sometimes they do some recruitment in the fall, but certainly once the new year hits and we get farther into spring, they are recruiting for youth, they are recruiting for college mentors. Uh, and some of these programs are as early, say, maybe as the first week of June. Um, now with the pandemic, there may be some who are still considering being online, um, or there may be a, a majority that are, are later in the summer um, this year, but I would say certainly, certainly uh, take a look and see uh, whether there are any of, of those um, events that might suit um, suit your youth uh, uh, and perhaps um, uh, in, in some cases, these programs ask for nominations from church leaders, for example, who are young people who you know who might like to attend these programs. So consider nominating. Uh, someone to attend these programs, or if you're a young person and you happen to be listening, consider applying and pretend like I didn't mention it was a good idea, um, because I know that that can be uncool um, if you're taking tips from a person as old as myself. Um, so certainly uh, checking these out, and then um, we've announced uh, uh, that we will be having the Christian Leadership Forum. Uh, again, FTE will be offering that again this summer. Um, and I'm not going to remember those dates off the top of my head, but um, but they should be listed uh, on the FTE website, which is fteleaders.org. Um, so I, I would say, uh, yes, absolutely. Check out what's happening this summer. Um, and, and that includes the large CLF gathering, too. Well, if you want to stay connected uh, with Jody's work and Youth Theology Network, you can go to youththeologynetwork.org. Jody, thank you for your extraordinary work in helping the next generation discover their God-given journey for a more beautiful future. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for taking this time to welcome me, to welcome the Youth Theology Network, and to welcome the Lillian Endowment and FTE, just to share a little bit about uh, this exciting, uh, exciting work that we're doing, and we hope that uh, those of you out there will join us. Thank you so much. This podcast is presented to you by McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, who exists to train ministers who inspire the church and the world to imagine, discover, and create God's future. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, the McAfee School of Theology offers doctoral and master's degree programs, including a fully online Master of Divinity degree, the only fully online MDiv offered by a national research university. You can visit their webpage, theology.mercer.edu, to learn more about their programs and scholarships. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF's podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, the Center for Congregational Health, and McAvee School of Theology's Doctorate and Ministry Program. Check out cbf.net for more information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. Oh, and I don't think we've mentioned this, that you should join the listener community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.